We've been studying through the Gospel of John for quite some time now, right? And we've made it in six chapters. Last week we began this sixth chapter of John's Gospel. The Apostle John writing this love letter to the world. And that's what he's doing. He's bringing forth witnesses that back up these awesome statements that have been made. The deity of Christ. Right? The love of God. How it's, how it's been perfectly personified in Jesus Christ. The very character of God. That if we want to know anything about Him, all we have to do is look to Jesus. And that's really what it's all about, you guys. Is looking to Jesus. Looking at Jesus. In all things. Today we're going to look at a section. We're going to call this message, In the Storm. Wow, the storms of life present a unique opportunity for us to look to Jesus. Don't you find that's the case? Maybe you guys, or maybe myself, we find ourselves in a storm right now, right? And that's, that's pretty commonplace in life, right? We, we go through a lot of storms in life. Life is full of storms. Hey, hey Jesus himself even told us. In John 16.33, that in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome this world. And he goes on, or he says, even in that same verse, in the beginning of it, he says, I have told you these things, so that in me, you would have peace. Peace. Peace even in the very eye, in the very middle of the storm. With Christ, we can have peace. Peace. And that's what we're going to look at. And if you find yourself coming here tonight, you find yourself in the midst of a storm. Or maybe you're not. But I bet if you're not in the middle of a storm, maybe you're just coming out of one. Right? Maybe you just made it out. You just, you just barely made it out. You got a lagañas, how do you say? Hanging out your eye right there. You just made it out the storm. <laughs> I, was, I told you I'd try to work that in, dog. Or maybe a storm is on the horizon. You know, and this is kind of the, the pattern of life. This is definitely the pattern of Christian life, right? It's not that we, we come to faith and all of a sudden there's just no more storms. There's no more ups and downs. There's no more roller coaster ride. You better believe there is. But it's about the peace that we have in Him in the midst of the storm. This is kind of the pattern, isn't it? Hey, after the blessing comes the testing and then comes the blessing again didn't we see this last week as we looked at jesus feeding the five thousand or jesus feeding the multitude we know it was more than five thousand right because it was five thousand men plus women and children and that number can quickly add up and add up right we saw this we saw that philip and andrew hey they were kind of tested and they kind of blew it didn't they Philip was trying to do the math and see if we had enough to do this. And can we do this? How are we going to feed these people? And then Andrew, right, when the little boy brought forth the little bit that he did have, those two little sardines and those five little pita bread loaves of, of bread there, Andrew said, what is this amongst so many? They, they doubted, right? They were tested and they kind of blew it. But wow, what I loved about that story last week as we looked at that, is that Jesus still used them. What did he use them to distribute? And that's, that's our call, you guys, as his children, as his disciples, as his followers, is to distribute what he has given us. 
to distribute the blessings, to let them pour through us. Hey, they were tested. They went through a little bit of a testing there, but then they were blessed greatly. Remember, they had 12 baskets. They had an abundance. And this is, this is, the, this is always the picture. When you're distributing, when you're blessing, when you're being used to serve God and serve His people... You always get the best blessing. You always, you always get more than enough. And that's what we called last week's message, right? Yeah. So this is the pattern. The testing, the blessing, the testing, the blessing. And we're going to see it again now that they've been blessed. Another test is going to come, right? They had these great blessings. What, even baskets full of blessings. So here we are. We're going to pick up now John chapter 6. And we're going to backtrack a little. We looked at verse 14, took a quick glimpse at it, but we're going to look at it again, and we're going to go through to verse 21. So if you have your Bibles, just follow along with me here in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 14. It says, the Word of God says, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum, heading west it would be. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. And then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Let's stop there and pray. Father, we give you thanks right now in this place, Lord, for your word. Lord, that you are there. You're so present, Lord, even in the midst of the storms of our life, Lord. And even in the storms, Lord, you are working. You are speaking to us, Lord. You are testing us, and yes, you are blessing us. Father, let us have eyes to see that here tonight in this place as we hear from you and hear from your word lord we thank you and we love you and it's in jesus name that we pray amen amen, amen. so here we are you see this they look to jesus after he has done this great miracle of feeding them and who do they automatically think about they think about moses moses miraculously fed the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness. Remember that with the manna bread? And now seeing Jesus miraculously feed the people who were in need. We didn't look at this too much last week. But the other gospels say that he looked on them or looked upon them with compassion. Right? He saw their need. Man, you know Jesus was really, really going through it at this time. You know, we don't see it in the, uh, recorded here in the Gospel of John, but in the other Gospels, in the Synoptic Gospels, we find out just before this happened that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded. So imagine he's, he's dealing with the great loss, right, of a family member, but even more so as the, the kind of the trailblazer, kind of the guy, the voice in the wild that was pointing 
to him. That was kind of clearing the path. And he's been taken out. You know, Herod's had him beheaded and had his head brought out on a platter. And Jesus is dealing with that. And then he's had this full day of ministry. Ministering to people, blessing people, healing people, teaching his disciples and having them go out and teach others. He's drained. He's totally drained. And he was trying to get away when they caught up with him. And he looked at them with compassion and he did this miracle of provision. Did this miracle of feeding them. Right? Gave them the bread and the fish. And we're going to see just a later, a little later in, in this chapter, chapter 6, that he will say, I am the bread, right? I am what you're really looking for. I am what is really going to satisfy your hunger. But look at this, verse 14. Those men, when they had seen the sign, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. And we touched on that last week, that this was a reference to Deuteronomy 18. Right, that Moses said, there's going to be a prophet that's like me, but greater than me. And he's going to reveal to you even more things of the word of God. Oh, does he not, does Jesus not totally and perfectly reveal the word so much that he is the word of God, the Logos, right? And so they see this and they definitely identify that Jesus is somebody special and what do they want to do look at verse 15 therefore when jesus perceived that they were about to what come and take him by force to make him king he departed again to the mountain by himself alone isn't the way this the way that man is right oh he can bless us he can take care of us let's make him king and they've been we've been seeing this since the old testament didn't you see this when they wanted a king they already had god but they wanted and asked for a king and god gave him who saul Remember this? Who preceded? David. Right? This is, this is man crying out, somebody lead us. Hey, don't we see it right now? Turn on the TV. There's presidential campaigns going on. And we're looking for somebody who can just fix everything. Hey, can I tell you guys straight up? They're not going to be the one to do it. It's going to be the one who walked on water. It's not going to be the one who comes in, in his own name, but in the name of the Father. Right? And, he, and Jesus when he saw that they were all about this kind of fame thing, right? They wanted to kind of, kind of like, you know, make a, a whole presentation about it and make him king at this point. He got out of there. You see, men want a worldly king, right? But Jesus isn't into fame. He's not into that. And we see him, he kind of sneaks away. He goes off to be alone. Right? Do you remember just last chapter in John chapter 5? He told those religious Jewish leaders back in Jerusalem. Right? He said, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. He says, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. Yet if another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And he was talking about the Antichrist, this vain, me, me, me type of personality good thing our candidates are nothing like that right <laughs> but i i i want to take a, a moment to kind of look at this hey our faith should not be a politically based faith it should be a messiah based faith it should be a jesus based faith hey no matter who sits in that oval office jesus is on the throne and there's been kings throughout all the history of mankind who thought and believed and acted contrary 
to the heart of God, but was his will not accomplished? Hey, think that back to Saul. Think about Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel's time, right? Look at Herod. Look at Pontius Pilate. Look at Caesar. Look at Nero. Look at all these guys that were in power. But God's will is always still accomplished. Why? You notice when it says king here in this verse, in verse 15, that K is not capitalized, my friend. They are trying to make him a worldly king, a political king. They were, they were looking too small, you know. They were looking for someone, just like Moses led them out of the oppression of Egypt, out of the slavery of Egypt. They were looking for, for someone to lead them out of the oppression of Rome. And he said, man, I've come for so much more than that. I'm not going to get caught up in this. I'm going to cut out. And I love this. Look at He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Hey, we read in the other Gospels. I mentioned last week that the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the multitude, was the only other miracle other than the resurrection of Christ that is documented, recorded in all four of the Gospels. Hey, this miracle where Jesus walks on water there to the disciples is recorded in three. It's in Matthew, Mark, and here as we read in John. Luke, the good Dr. Luke, didn't mention it in his gospel. But we shouldn't be alarmed by that. Hey, if you read the forensic investigations or even eyewitness uh, reports from people over a period of years of things that happened, there'd be different angles and perspectives, different things that struck them more that they had to write about. Hey, and also, our gospel writers here are writing to different audiences for different purposes. Hey, we see this in the end of the Gospel of John, that if he was to talk about all the signs and wonders and miracles that were done, hey, all the books in the world couldn't contain it. Right? So... Why should we trip if certain things are not in this gospel or that gospel? Right? This is a, they, 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 they're not meant to be identical. They're meant to complement each other in a way that only God can do. They're all inspired by the Holy Spirit. The other two, Mark and Matthew, tell us that he went away to pray. And he was praying for his disciples. And look at this. It, says in the, it tells us in those others, in Mark and Matthew, that he sent them away. Okay, that he sent them away. And look at this in verse 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Now we know by reading the other Gospels. And if you, and I, I mentioned it last week. Hey, a little homework maybe. Check out that story when Jesus fed the multitudes in the other three Gospels. So we'll say the same thing here tonight. Check out the other stories when Jesus walked in, on the water. That's in the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. And that's in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 but we know that he had given them a command and obedience now when the evening came his disciples went down to the sea they got into the boat and went over the sea west toward Capernaum okay and it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them why he was there praying hey we just saw, just saw that Jesus was drained he had had this long day of ministry he had just lost his primo right what, what do you do when you're drained? Do you get away and, and take time to, to pray or do you just kind of turn on the TV and veg out? or you know what, what, it's, it's, good to, it's good for the Word of God to kind of 
wash us in this way that we evaluate, hey, how do I deal with that? If this is how Jesus if this is how Jesus dealt with it, that he got away to spend time with the Heavenly Father in prayer, is that what I do? That's what I want to do. If I if I'm if I'm going through it, man, sometimes I need to get away and get into that place and just have that intimate fellowship and communion with my heavenly father. That's what he did, right? But he had sent them. And they're there in the sea. And look what happens here in verse 18. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. Now, the Sea of Galilee sits about 600 feet below sea level, right? It's separated by a mountain range from the Mediterranean Sea. So as the cool air blows off the Mediterranean Sea and, and over and through those mountains, it mixes with the warm air that's settled there above the Sea of Galilee. And this is why it's prone to a lot of turbulent waters, a lot of storms, a lot of just, just out of the blue. You're not even expecting it. I'm not trying to get into a, too much uh, meteorology here, right? But this is, the, this is the place geographically that we're talking about. This great wind was blowing through those mountains and causing waves to just crash and wind was blowing from the west and they had rowed about three or four miles against the wind they were heading west to Capernaum the wind is in their face imagine they're rowing as hard as they can they're really not getting anywhere three or four miles we're told in Mark and Matthew hey they left in the nighttime and by the time he came to them it was four in the morning, the fourth watch. Man, they were out there for hours and hours. Can you imagine? They probably, we know we're going to see, they thought they were going to die. They said, man, this is it. This is it. This is, this is the end. He sent us out here to die. I can't believe it. He just got us, gave us each a basket of bread and fish, and now he sent, sent us out here to sleep with the fishes. Right? But look at this. When they had rowed about three or four miles. Hey, what do we take from this, guys? You can be right in the will of God. Obedient to God. And still come into great, great storms. And still come into great frustration. Imagine as you're rowing and rowing and the wind is beating your face. Your hands are bloodied from gripping the oars. You're looking at each other like, man, are you even pushing, bro? You know, John's looking at Peter and Peter's looking at, Andrew and Andrew's looking at Philip and they're like, come on, guys, we're not going anywhere. Imagine they're frustrated. Do you ever feel like that? Like you're, you're working so hard, but you're not getting anywhere. But you're like, I know I'm in the will of God. I'm, I'm, I'm being obedient to him. He sent me here. What's going on? How come nothing's happening? Look at this, guys. Look at this. You can be right in the will of God and still be in the midst of the storm simultaneously. Wow. And look at this. Three or four miles and then what? They saw Jesus walking on the sea. And drawing near to the boat. Or drawing nigh to the boat as the King James would say. And what were they? They were afraid. Why? Disciples? Why are they afraid? Well... We read in the, other, in the other Gospels that they thought he was a ghost. And this was an old fisherman tradition at that time. That if you were in like a storm like this and you were about to bite the bullet, if it was lights out, if this was the end of the story, 
then a ghost would appear, appear to you to welcome you into death. Now, this is not biblical truth, obviously, but this was a fisherman's tradition. So they see, here they see him in the, in the horizon, and they're like, oh, no, man. It's the fisherman's story, ghost. We're doomed. And they're tripping. But why were they afraid? Hey, hadn't he sent them? And hadn't he just come through for them so big time? Providing them with all they needed to eat. Hey, they probably still had those baskets right there in their boat. If it really came down to it, they probably could have each jumped in their basket and at least tried to float, float on in that, you know? Throw out the food, man. I can make room. I'm jumping in. But they were afraid. When you, when you come into storms in this life, does it cause you to be afraid? Does it cause you to worry? Does it cause you to, to doubt? Or do you fix your eyes on him? Maybe my very favorite uh, telling of this story is in Matthew because it, it gives us another glimpse that we don't see here is that Peter saw him and, and said, Lord, is that you? This is the same occurrence, right? Now we know that Jesus, there's two storms that we're, we're told of. There's the one earlier on, it's not here in the Gospel of John, but earlier on when he calmed the storm. Remember he was asleep in the boat and they were freaking out and panicking and then he woke up and he is the stealer. He steals the storm, right? He calms, he's the calmer of the storms. But we're going to see here that he is also the sender of the storms. He sent them into this storm. He was testing them in this storm. And once once again they were filled with doubt and fear. But I love the story as as Peter says, if it's you Lord, call me out, and let me walk. And Peter starts to walk just a little bit, right? But then as soon as he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the waves and looks at the wind, what happens? It begins to sink, right? And isn't, isn't this so true in our lives, you guys, when, when we're going through storms, when we're going through crazy times, and we start to look at things, you know, going through health things, we start to look at the, the diagnosis and, and look at the, the, the doom and gloom, and we can start to sink in our hearts, and our faith can start to sink, right? We start feeling like we're, we're going under, but I love that Peter cried out this simple prayer hey because he was talking to God he was praying right he said save me Lord hey if you find yourself in a storm and maybe you've taken your eyes off the Lord cry out those words say save me Lord and he's so faithful to grasp your hand and pull you up and rescue you he is our hero right faith fear the hero is here they were afraid but look what Jesus said to them hey man if you don't get nothing else tonight just look at these words. He said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. What are you going through right now, guys? What, are you, what storm are you in right now? He's saying this to you right now. He's saying, It is I. Don't be afraid. You, don't be afraid. Whatever that storm is, I'm here. I'm in control of it. And doesn't God use storms in our lives, you guys? He uses storms so powerfully in our lives. Maybe, maybe we, well, not maybe. We know storms don't feel so good when we're going through them, right? We dread them. Hey, but if we look back on our lives and we look at the storms that we've gone through, that He's carried us through, weren't those the times when He did the most in-depth 
surgery on us and has strengthened us and has protected us, has corrected us, has directed us, and is perfecting us, isn't he? This is his process in storms. He uses storms in our lives for protection, right? Ask Noah about this. Ask Noah. Didn't he bring forth a great storm in Noah's life? Hey, Noah was the only one considered righteous in that time. Everybody else was living foul. Was just doing whatever was right in their own eyes, right? It's kind of like the times we live in today, right? Just crazy stuff going on. But Noah had faith and Noah loved God. And for that faith, he was considered righteous, right? And a storm came, right? To protect Noah and his family from the things all around him that what? Threatened to corrupt him. Maybe you have an experience like that in your life like I do. That God brought forth a storm and he protected me from things that were all around me that were threatening to and even were corrupting me. He eliminated those things out of my life by what? A storm. He used the storm in my life to rescue me from those things, to protect me from those things. How else does God use storms in our lives? For correction. For correction. When we're headed the wrong way, right? We can ask Jonah about this, right? And Jonah had a call on his life to go and preach to the people in Nineveh, right? To spark a great revival in Nineveh. But he caught the first ship he could to Tarshish. <laughs> Tarshish is like the Las Vegas of that time, right? Whatever happens in Tarshish stays in Tarshish. But not so much really, right? Yeah, because even the things that we think we do in secret, man, they, don't they have lasting consequences? Hey, even more than just physically or material, they have lasting consequences on us spiritually. The things that we take in with our eyes, hey, we can never unsee them. The things that we taste of, the things that we touch. Hey, once we've done that, right, it's hard to erase that. Yes, He does. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Hey, but you know that we got some pretty in-depth hard drives here that remember some things, right? From many years ago, and they're kind of burned in there. Maybe we shouldn't have been exposed to those things. But hey, what happens in Tarshish or what happens in Vegas does not necessarily stay there. But Jonah was trying to run from this great call of God on his life. And what happened? A great storm came at sea, didn't it? And he corrected him. He corrected him. He had to go overboard and have a well of a time, right? But he ended up back where God wanted him to be. Through what? Through a storm. God uses storms for correction in our life. What else does God use storms in our life for, guys? For direction. For direction. In Acts 27 and 28, we see that the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked because of a storm. <laughs> this great wind that blows through. It disintegrated their boat. They had to ride in. It said they, they rode in on the boards, the planks. They, they were the first surfers. They rode the waves into this place called Malta. Malta. And Paul was there. God redirected his path that Paul would minister and bring the gospel to that place, Malta. And to this day, it is a strong community of Christian believers there in Malta. You think God didn't have a plan in that storm? He used it for what? Direction. 
God will use storms for direction in your life. And fourth and finally, God uses storms to perfect us. For the strengthening of our faith. This is what we see here in this story, you guys. As the disciples are full of fear. And then he says, do not be afraid. He's, he's testing them. He's strengthening them. He's preparing them. He's perfecting them. Why? He's preparing them just like he's preparing us for eternity, guys. For eternity. That we wouldn't look to the waves. That we wouldn't look to the wind or any earthly thing. Our bank accounts. <laughs> our health report. Our relationship status. Right? The ups and downs. How people get under our skin. That we wouldn't look to these things, but we would look to eternal things. He was perfecting them. What does it say in the epistle of James? Chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials or storms. Various storms. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be what? Perfect and complete. Storms are God's process for perfecting us, for preparing us, for strengthening us. Hey, and it's never more so in storms that do we see our dependence on Him, right? That we say, hey man, I don't got it all figured out. I need help. I need what? A Savior. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Maybe you're like me and you're thinking, man, the disciples, they should have known. They had the bread right there. They should have known he's faithful. Hey, man, if I was right there in the boat and the storm's going, I'd just look at the bread and say, hey, man, he took care of us before. He's going to take care of us again, right? But don't we have such a greater beacon, artifact of his love for us upon the cross? Hey, his body... The bread was broken. His blood poured out for us. This proclamation of His love for us. Hey, when we find ourselves in a storm, we just got to look to that and say, Wow, He's got me covered. I'm going to have peace even in the midst of the storm. I'm going to listen to what He says to them and to me so clearly in verse 20. It is I. It is I, Nick. It is I. Why are you tripping? Don't be afraid. I got you. I'm right here. I went to the cross for you. You can trust me. I've, all, I've delivered you through so many times before. You can trust me. I'm right here no matter what storm it is. Do not be afraid. Even in the storm. And finally verse 21. Look at this. And the disciples then what? They willingly received him in to the boat they willingly received him do you know that's that's part of it guys we got to willingly receive him into our boat and so i want to ask you this here you guys here and anybody that's listening to this what aspect what area what part of your life is jesus standing there just waiting for you to let him in he's waiting there and, and what what boat in your life is Jesus like little Anthony in the Imperials when he said, I'm on the outside looking in, right? If you know some oldies. <laughs> is Jesus on the outside looking in on certain aspects of your life? Or maybe you're just your life in general. Is Jesus on the outside looking in, waiting for you to willingly receive him into that boat? The boat of your 
your workplace, the boat of your, your home, the boat of your relationship, the boat of your health, the boat of your relationship with your kids or grandkids or whoever it may be, right? He's, they willingly received him. This is free will, guys. We have the opportunity. We read this in Revelation 3.20. He says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, and what? Opens the door. I will come into him and dine with him, or sup with him, or eat with him, or feast with him. And him with me. Have great communion and fellowship. He's knocking. He's knocking. He doesn't want just one. He doesn't want just Sunday mornings or Thursday nights or Monday nights or whatever Bible study time. He wants it all. He wants it all. He wants to come into every single boat that you step foot in. He wants to be there. They willingly received him into the boat. And look at this, guys. Don't miss this. Our last little section right here. Immediately. Immediately. Blink of an eye. Immediately. The boat was at the land where they were going. Hey, they had only traveled halfway, three or four miles that whole night. They weren't getting nowhere. Immediately, it was on the other side. Immediately. When they what? When they let him in the boat. Hey, do you know immediately when you let him into your boat, when you let him into every aspect of your life, that's when everlasting, eternal life begins. What? Immediately. When we start changing the way we look at everything from an eternal perspective and so jesus knocks he knocks and he says i want to come in i know you let me in sunday mornings i know you let me in bible study time and worship time and prayer time but i want it all i want your friday nights and saturday nights too he says and it's going to be the greatest adventure greatest blessing that you've ever set out on let's stop there and pray father we thank you for your word we thank you for your presence in the storms of our lives, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to reveal to us now, Lord, any areas where you're just on the outside looking in, Lord. And maybe there's a storm going on in our life right in that category, right in that area of our life where we haven't quite sold it out to you or surrendered it to you. And what an opportunity that is, Lord, for us to say, come on in, Jesus. I hear you knocking. Come on in. I want to feast with you. I want to have communion with you. You have that opportunity. Maybe you've already, you know, surrendered your life to Christ, but there's somewhere where you know He's on the outside looking. And I want to give an opportunity right now that we would just pray, that we would just call out to Him, that we would just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you all of my life. Lord, please forgive me my sins and trespasses. I willingly receive you now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can serve you from this day forward. And it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. And all of God's children agreed by saying,